Hello, everyone. My name is Brian Kim. Hello. And it's been, yeah, I was an Emmaus staff maybe in 2008, 2009, back when Judy was here as a student. And so was Tina on exchange. She was in my familia way back when. But it's so crazy because I look out now and I used to lead worship here and it'd be like the first two rows. <laughs> but now we make it all the way to the last row. And I remember we used to just, yeah, every week we would just get together and we would pray. We want to fill up this place. We want to fill up this place so that they have to move us to a bigger place. And I just feel like it's going to happen real soon where you guys are going to outgrow this place and God is going to take you even higher. And I was just getting this so nostalgic as I was walking from Shincheon Station, you know, blistering cold to uh, Yonsei. And I saw that, I don't know, there was no more road. Did you guys see the construction? There was no more roads. And I was like, how do I get there? And then, I, you know, I saw people, like, going on the side. And I was like, all right, I can still make it. I don't have to, like, go all the way around to Ide or something. But I just felt in my spirit as I was walking here and seeing the construction that God is doing something new. He's tearing down the old walls. He's tearing down the things that are old and that are decrepit and that are not, you know, that are broken. And he's bringing something new. He's bringing something new. He's bringing something new. And I feel like you guys are the forerunners in that movement. And, you know, as I was praying for Emmaus uh, these past several years, uh, I feel like one word that God's given me that I just haven't had a chance to share yet is that, you know, if New Philly is the army of God, then Emmaus, you guys are the special forces. You guys are the special forces. All right, you guys are going to go out. You guys are going to do the impossible. You guys are going to do the things that no one else can do. You guys are going to go, you know, and seriously, you guys come here, you get trained super intense, super quickly, like in the special forces. And then you guys go back to your homes, you know, all over the world. And you guys go in as special operatives, as spies, as diplomats. And you guys transform from the inside out. All right, Amaze, you guys are the special forces. You know, I really felt that so strong in my spirit that you guys are part of the army and you guys will just get sent out all over the place and you guys will do the most amazing, amazing things. Oh, man. All right, so today's text, um, I'm a bit of a nerd. Uh, I think last time I came here, people said, wow, I didn't know you were that nerdy, but uh, I am. Uh, it's okay. I'm, you know, I'm really comfortable with it and I love it about myself. You know, even if not everyone loves it, it's okay. You know, I know God finds joy. You know, when I get to really bring out the apex of my nerdiness, I guess. But let's turn our Bibles to Hebrews uh, chapter 11. And we're going to go through the first six verses, though I'm only going to really preach about the last three verses here. I'm going to read it in the NIV. And so when God first gave me this passage, uh, I was so reluctant to preach about it because it's a word, these are, you know, it's such a common, it's a common passage that a lot of people speak about. And I've heard so many sermons about uh, these verses. And so I did what any um, God-fearing man would do. And so I asked my wife, and I was like, wife, do you have any new insight? All right, I don't call her wife. Her name is Jane, and she is very beautiful. She's an amazing woman of God. But I asked her, you know, I feel like I need to preach about Hebrews 11, uh, verse 6, especially. And I'm like, but I don't know if I can give any fresh insight into this. And I was like, I don't know. Do you think God wants me to preach about it? And she's like, uh, let me check. Let me open up the verse. So she took out her, 
you know, her phone, which was on her, and she opened her Bible app, and she's like, hey, it opened right to Hebrews 11.6. It was the verse of the day. And I was like, all right, I guess I should preach about it. You know, God is so funny like that. And he just, yeah, he just gave me confirmation after confirmation. All right, so let's read. I'm going to just read through it, so follow along with me. Hebrews 11, verse 1 through 6. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that when what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. In verse 6. And without faith... It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is the word of the Lord. All right. I'm going to go a little bit backwards for this sermon. Um, why am I going backwards? Because God is sometimes a very backwards God, and he does things in a very illogical order. And I'm all about logic, order, efficiency, but a lot of times when I read through Scripture, I see that God does a lot of things backwards. So I think, you know, you can remember parables of Jesus. He tells the parable, and it's only after he tells it that he explains it. You know, there's kind of a backwards order to what he does. I feel the same thing about Hebrews verse uh, Hebrews 11, verse 1 through 6. I feel like the answer is in verse 6. And then when you use verse 6 as your lens to view the rest of the verses, it makes a lot more sense. So I'm going to go a little bit backwards. I'm going to start from the start from verse 6, then I'm going to go to the other verses. So stay with me. I'm going to go through a lot of different scripture and try to interpret it kind of how God's been showing me. All right, so the first part, faith is believing in God. All right? So simple, right? Faith is believing in God. Now, Hebrews eleven six. let me read it one more time. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And this is the verse, this is the part of verse 6 that we see over and over again. You know, we always hear it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But I'm going to dwell on the second part. Because anyone who comes to him must believe, number one, that he exists. And number two, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. All right. Number one, we must believe that he exists. Number two, we must believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, we so often take that first part of Hebrews eleven six without the second part. But for that first part to make sense, we got to know that second part. All right. So I'm going to turn to Exodus three. I'm just going to read this for you guys. Exodus three thirteen to fifteen. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? And what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. This is what, uh, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you, should, you shall call me from generation to generation. God's name is I am who I am. Yahweh. 
That's where we get it. I am who I am. And so the first part in Hebrews 11.6, I mean, in the end it says, we must believe that he exists. We must believe that he exists. All right, we must believe that he is who he is. All right, when it's saying that we have to believe that God exists, it's just all it's saying is that we have to believe God is who he says he is. All right, God's name is I am who I am. And so the first thing that pleases God, the first thing that should be part of our faith is understanding who God is because that's his name. All we're doing when we're acknowledging that he exists is we're calling him by his name, I am who I am. All right, we're calling him by his name, I am who I am. Philippians 2.11, it says, Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right, the scripture doesn't say to proclaim that he is good. It doesn't say to proclaim that he is love. It says to proclaim that he is Lord, that he is God, that he is who he says he is. So the first part of faith and the first part of pleasing our God more than anything is just believing that he is who he is. Right, we must believe first of all things that he is who he says he is. This is the understanding we need to have before we understand who we are. This is the understanding we need to have before we understand what our calling is, where we should go. As college students, when I was a college student, I had no idea what I was supposed to do. If I could go back in time and tell myself right now, I would tell myself two things. Actually, I would probably tell you guys the same thing. Number one, go into computer programming. It's a very good occupation. <laughs> Any programmers in here? Nice, nice, nice. Great job. All right. Number two, I would tell myself, go after God with all that you have and find out who he is. All right, find out who God is. Find out who he is. Let me read that one more time. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. Now, the second part that we have to also believe not just that God says that God is who he says he is, but we must also believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. I know a lot of times people argue, a lot of Christians argue, we shouldn't care about a reward. We shouldn't care about what we get back in return. That's true love that we give and we don't expect anything bad. I mean, anything back, not anything bad. All right. But we say, you know, that's, that's what life is about. You give and you shouldn't expect anything back. Otherwise, it's not really giving. You know, I say this all the time for Korean wedding culture. Do you guys know Korean wedding culture? All right, I got married, so I had to deal with a lot of different things. But a big part of Korean wedding culture is giving gifts, as it is with a lot of other cultures. But especially with parents, because parents will give gifts to all their friends' children. And then when their kid gets married, they receive back those gifts. They give because they're you know, expecting to receive back those gifts. All right. I would argue that's not biblical. All right. But in terms of our faith, God says, expect a reward, expect a reward, expect a reward. And scripture is so clear here. One of the basic tenets of faith is not only hoping for a reward, but believing that he'll reward us. That's faith, believing that God will reward us. So believing who he is, believing that he will reward us. And why do we believe this? Are these two aspects? It's because this is who God is. Even with receiving 
a reward from God. That's who he is. Because we can't possibly give to God anything because he's overflowing. God is overflowing with provision. He's overflowing with substance. He's overflowing with joy. And so it's only natural that we expect to receive something back from him. Because our God is a God of the overflow. Our God is a God who never needs anything. So we can expect to receive from him. Anytime we act in faith, we can expect to receive from God. Now I'm going to go back a couple verses now. Remember we're going from the bottom back up. And so we're going to look at, oops. So we're going to look at verse, let's start from verse four. All right. We're going to go back to Hebrews 11, verse four. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. All right, I remember having debates with people somewhat often about, you know, why was Abel's offering better than Cain's offering? Was it because it was the first fruit? Was it because, you know, it was meat and meat tastes so much better than vegetables and fruits? All right, meat does taste really, really good. But was it, you know, is it because it's the first fruit of his offering and Cain just brought whatever? You know, scripture isn't clear about that. But it doesn't have to be because the author of Hebrews is very clear. The reason why Abel's offering was accepted, was acceptable, was because he gave his offering by faith. Abel lived a life of faith, whereas Cain didn't. So Abel's offering flowed from a life of faith, from a perspective of faith, while Cain's didn't. And so why was his offering more acceptable? It's because it was based on his faith. All right, really, really simple. All right, Abel was, yeah, he was a man of faith. You know, I wish there was more in the Bible about him, but there isn't. There's one other cool part. It's that, you know, and the authors of Hebrews says this as well, that he had so much faith that his blood cried out from the ground even after he died. He spoke even after he was dead because of his faith. He spoke even after his death. His blood cried out from the ground. This is before there was any resurrection. His blood cried out because of his faith. That's what the author of Hebrews attributes it to. Now, I think this, is a, this story is a lot more than just about offering, but it's a story about worship. All right, and I want to say our worship must be based on faith. So let's remember, faith has two components. One is acknowledging who God is, and we all know that about worship. When we sing worship songs, when we praise, we sing about who God is. But number two, our worship must also expect something in return. All right, that sounds really selfish, all right, to worship God just to expect something in return. It might sound selfish, but it's biblical. All right, it's what God says, to expect something in return. Now, the question is, how do we have faith in worship? What do we expect in return? And I think we just saw a small picture of this right now as we're singing Spirit Breakout. And as we're singing that song, I just felt so powerfully the Spirit of God just hovering over this place. Just as the Spirit of God was hovering over the deep in the beginning of creation, just as the Spirit of God was hovering over the vast seas, God was hovering over here. And as it was, God's Spirit was hovering over Emmaus, it was hovering over this whole campus. Psalm 22.3 says that God is enthroned on the praises of his people, Israel. 
Right? And now we are symbolically Israel in the new covenant. God's praise, I mean, God is enthroned on our praises. When we sing, when we worship, what we're actually expecting and what we should expect to receive, it's really simple. We should expect to receive the kingdom of God in this place. When we worship and when we praise, when we sing spirit break out, we should expect nothing less than for God's kingdom, for God's glory to fall so powerfully in this place. If you're worshiping and you don't expect anything and you're just singing songs, that's what you're doing. You're singing songs. But the difference between singing songs and worshiping God, it's so simple. So when we worship God, we expect something in return. We expect for his presence to come. We expect for his kingdom to come into this place. I remember when uh, I went to Australia in 2008. Judy, you went too, right? Yeah, I remember with Judy Choi, and I remember getting rebuked hardcore by Pastor Christian on our first night of worship. So we sent a team of about 10, 14 people um, from Korea, from New Philly, to Australia as uh, Pastor Christian preached at a retreat over there called Battlefield. And that first night, we went, and the praise team was doing their best, but worship was not, you know, it wasn't like what you guys have here. All right, worship was just, it was just singing songs. And that night, we got together, and PC, Pastor Christian was like, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? Why are you letting them set the atmosphere of worship in this place? You guys have something inside of you. When you worship, the kingdom of God comes down. It's like, I Tomorrow morning and the rest of this retreat, I want you guys to worship with everything that you have and expect God's presence to flow and to fall in this place. And there's such a marked difference. The retreat had over 200 200 people. Over 200 people were there. Huge retreat. And the first night, we let the 200 people set the atmosphere of worship. And as we listened to them worship, we did not expect any reward from God. But after PC, you know, graciously... You guys know what I'm talking about. Graciously rebuked us. Very gracious words. We went back and we were like, all right, we got to worship. Starting from the next day, worship was amazing. And everyone that I talked to later from that church that we were at, they were just exclaiming how amazing worship was. All right, the spirit of God was flowing because when we worship, as we worshiped, as the, our team, small team of 14 out of over 200 people, as we worshiped, we were expecting a reward from God. We were expecting God's kingdom to fall, and it did. And that, yeah, that retreat was insane. We saw the craziest manifestations. We saw the craziest testimonies. Almost every single person, over 200 people there, was completely radically changed. As soon as that retreat ended, man, the testimonies that came out of it. But like a few weeks later, they started an outreach ministry. The first day, like 150 people showed up. Normally, they had like five or six people go out, but 150 people came. They went on the streets of Sydney and they just saw miraculous things. They what? Yeah, they worshiped at Parliament in, where is it? Somewhere in Sydney. Yeah, but it was, man, that's the power of worship. And I just remember when I first started leading worship at this, pray, at this church um, back in 2008. Man, I came in, I came in, and I started leading worship about two weeks after I came in because our current worship leader had to step down. His name was also Brian. Actually, I shouldn't say his name. His name was also Brian Kim. Anyway, he was an amazing, amazing worship leader. And he was also an amazing musician. He, yeah, he was part, he's part of a CCM band. 
you know, he tours professionally. And then, so when I came in, uh, I came in with about a year of worship leading experience and I'd started playing guitar maybe a year before that, but I had no, I had very little experience. I had very little musical giftings and I came in to fill some really big shoes. It was so crazy for me because I came in knowing that as I led worship, the kingdom of God would come. And it was after I took over, you know, I don't say this arrogantly, but it was after I take over that, after I took over worship that we saw worship at a whole new level at New Philly. And I was just so humbled by God because I was just reminded, I was like, it's not, it's not about talent, but it's about faith. It's about faith. And the second part of Hebrews, uh, sorry. All right, second part, verse 5, Hebrews 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. It's kind of crazy that the two examples that the author of Hebrews uses before you know, everything else. Because after this, he gives the examples of so many biblical greats. So many. And he uses the word by faith like over 20 times. But the two examples he starts with are two very modest men of God who almost did nothing. Abel and Enoch. You know, Enoch, they said he walked with, you know, he walked in faith with God for hundreds of years. But it's so interesting because these two people, Abel was the first man who was murdered ever while Enoch was someone who never tasted death. So you have the complete opposites and ends of the spectrum here. One who never tasted death and one who was the first to ever taste death. And so God is saying through these two people that it doesn't matter. Death doesn't matter. Death doesn't matter when you have faith. Because even, even Abel, he cried out after he died. But in the story about Enoch, what we find is that Enoch walked faithfully with God. He walked faithfully with God. It's interesting to see that um, Enoch, someone who never, I don't know, so little is written about him in Scripture, same as Abel, but he's the example picked. And all, all we know about him is that he walked faithfully with God, and that's what pleased our Lord. Faith, let's remember, is knowing who God is and trusting him to provide. All right? So our pursuit of God, because the only thing we know about Enoch is that he pursued God faithfully. All right? So our pursuit of God, just as our worship of God, our pursuit of God must also flow from a place of faith. As we pursue God, as we delve into the scriptures, as we delve into the word, as we delve into worship, we must also do it from a place of faith, expecting something in return. We must expect some reward from God as we go after God. And I think if you meet anyone who's gone after the heart of God, they will tell you they did not come back empty-handed. Anytime you go after God, anytime you pursue him, anytime you try to go deep into the scriptures, whether you're in the desert of your life, whether you're wherever you are, you can expect something back from God in return. You can expect a reward from our Lord and Savior. All right? And I can tell you personally, anytime, I just remember anytime I, yeah, the times in my life where I've gone deepest into the word, I received and I sowed the most in my life. And I tell you guys the same thing. Go deep into the word. Go deep after the heart of God. God will reward you. And he'll reward you in mysterious, amazing ways. Man. 
God is so pleased when we reflect faith in our lives. He is so pleased when we reflect faith in our lives. And so that first part of, I mean, yeah. Okay, I'm going to skip out some parts of my sermon. All right, so let's go back to, yeah. So without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It doesn't matter if you do it with as much love as you can. It doesn't matter if you help as many poor people as you can. It doesn't matter. If you don't have faith in it, it's not pleasing to God. And you can imagine it like this. You go back to your home countries. You know, if it's Korea, let's just imagine you go abroad. And you're in Korea, and you made a lot of money in Korean one. You think, all right, I'm going to take this money. I'm going to go back to New York, and I'm going to walk into a New York deli because first thing I would want is probably a New York bagel because it's so, so much better. So much better. Here, a bagel is like, it's like bread shaped like a bagel. It's not really a bagel. Anyway, I'll go in it and I'll try to pay for it with Korean one. But, you know, the guy's going to be like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? It's the same thing with faith. It's the same thing with God. We can try to pay for things in other currencies. We can try to pay for it with love. We can try to pay for it with worship. But the only currency that God accepts is faith. The only currency that God accepts is faith. And so if you're not living to build up a currency of faith, you're not going to be able to purchase anything. You're not going to be able to get anything back as a reward. Those rewards are bought with faith. Either your faith or someone who's been praying into you. And some of you start life with a really high balance because you had parents and generations of pastors in your family who will deposit into your bank account of faith over and over and over again as they pray. And you guys are so blessed. But that doesn't mean everyone else is doomed to have an account of, uh, balance of zero. As you guys live a life of faith, as you guys go out and take those steps, you know, you're going to see your bank account go bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're going to be able to purchase some crazy, crazy anointing with that faith. So I want to challenge you guys today to live with faith. To First of all, to do everything you know with knowing who God is, but also expecting reward, because that is what faith is. Uh, one of my favorite core values at New Philly, actually probably my favorite, now that I'm not on worship team anymore, is it was worship extravagantly, but I really like to dream big. All right, to dream big, to dream not just God-sized dreams, but God's dreams. All right, Pastor Marcus just preached on this. It was a good word, but we're not just supposed to dream God-sized dreams, but actually God's dreams himself. All right, it, it, it was a good word. You guys should get it on podcast. But just a little history about me. Um, I graduated on a Wednesday in 2008 in May. I remember. And by that Saturday, I was in Korea, uh, and I had started work. And so for the last five years, from 2008 to 2012, I taught math and science at uh, international schools in, uh, in Korea. And it was it's a very challenging experience because I felt no real particular calling to teaching. But teaching was a job. Teaching paid money. Teaching also has really good vacation time. All right, really good vacation time. But I was making a very nice income. 
I was saving a lot of money, paid off all my debt. And so I was thinking, you know, Lord, maybe you just want me to stay in teaching because, you know, it's, it's so nice. It's so cozy, <laughs> you know. But the more, the longer I stayed in teaching, the more frustrated I became with teaching, the more frustrated I became with myself where it came to the point last year where I would just dread walking into work. I would just dread it so much that I would go in as late as I could pretty much. And, you know, I barely prepped for my classes, but also because I had been teaching the same subject for so many years. It was just so boring to me and I had no more joy in it whatsoever. But I was still battling inside myself because teaching was there. And teaching, there's so many teaching jobs in Korea. Such a safe occupation to have. Who knows that we serve a God who's not very safe, you know, at least in our definition of the word. And so as I was struggling with this, you know, I even went to one point so far that I started a master's program for teaching because I was like, oh, you know, I might as well get a master's if I'm going to stay into it. But God quickly rebuked me. And I quit that program soon after. And so I was like, no, this is not what I was doing. And so all of last year and the year before, I was just asking God, you know, what do I, what should I do? Where have you, where have you called me? And one thing about me, actually, before I came to Korea, uh, I was actually enrolled to go to seminary. And I felt the only way that I could grow closer to God and the only way I could be faithful to God was going to seminary and becoming a pastor. But God, as soon as I got to Korea, quickly rebuked that out of me. And he told me really quickly, <laughs> this man is in seminary. But he told me very quickly, don't go to seminary. Follow what I tell you to do. And for the first five years, he didn't tell me to leave teaching, so I didn't. But last year, I just felt this so strong in me. He's like, I want you to do something really crazy. And at this point, I was married, and we had, my wife and I both had very stable, we had a stable job, stable income, and we were saving money. And it was just, it was perfect for us. We had a nice little house. But God was like, no, you can't stay like this. And I felt it so deep in my spirit because when you're living a life that is not filled with faith, where you're not going out and taking those steps of faith, there's something that just, it's so, the Korean word is taptape. It's so frustrating. You know, it's just, it's there. And so that's what I was feeling these last five years as I was staying in the same place, doing the same thing. God was just showing me how frustrated my spirit was. And so God had me do, you know, do something pretty stupid. And so I started researching uh, different things I could do. And what I realized was my passion is actually for business. You know, my passion has always been for business. But as I came to the mindset that ministry is the only way to go, that passion for business kind of got pushed away. But as I started seeking after God's heart, one of the gifts, one of the rewards that he gave me was remembering what that calling was for, on my life to go into business. And it sounds so backwards that knowing God pulls you away from ministry and into business but like I said before, we serve a backwards God. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. And so I love technology, huge tech nerd. And, you know, the reason I told you guys to go into computer programming, it was I was completely serious. With that, you can do anything. You can build your own applications. You can. It doesn't matter what sector you go into, computer programming will help you. I promise you. It will help you. But I was thinking... If I want to go back into programming now, you know, I don't have the money for it. I don't want to go into any more debt. But God said, do it. And so I found a summer program 
for a two-month-long program to learn programming. And so I applied. I got in. And my wife and I, we quit our jobs. We moved to San Francisco or the Bay Area for the summer. Most amazing place. Most amazing weather. It's like 80 degrees every day. No rain. No clouds. No humidity. Anyways, I'm not trying to tempt you to go there. But I went there, and I learned for a couple months. And throughout the whole time, Satan was attacking me. And he was telling me, what are you doing? You left such a safe place to do something so reckless, so stupid, that could endanger your family. All right? Because during this time, um, I didn't necessarily... Oh, yeah, I went into debt to go. I took out... I put a lot of stuff on my credit card, which I hate doing. All right? Credit... Credit cards are evil. All right, credit cards are of the devil. And so in all my years using a credit card, I always just, I never pay the minimum. I always pay it off. I hate to carry a balance, hate to pay interest. But to do this program, I had to do it. And so my wife and I, we just, we sold as much stuff as we could. And we put, you know, a lot of my, because I had to pay my tuition out front, $10,000 for the program. And, you know, it wasn't a little amount of money. It was $10,000. So we put it on the card and we went and moved. And it, man, something inside me, I think it was the voice of Satan was just like, you are so stupid. What are you doing? Because one thing you guys know is, one thing you should know is that in Korea, programmers generally aren't treated very well. All right? If you're a computer programmer in Korea, you're most likely making less than $2 million a month, like $2,000 a month. You're working crazy hours, and you're given no respect because there are so many computer programmers in Korea. But at the same time, if you're a computer programmer in America, they will give you a really nice job, $90,000 a year, really good benefits, and yeah, that's in America. But I knew I was called to Korea. So I went, into pro you know, I went to learn programming, and a lot of people told me, don't do it, you can't learn it in two months, it's too much. I heard all these voices, but I went, I talked to Pastor Christian and Aaron, they were like, go for it. And so I got their blessing, and I went, and I did it. And I came back, and like I told you guys, we, you know, we moved out of our house. We sold everything, and we, we went. And then after the summer, we came back to Korea. We didn't have a place to stay. We were going to stay with our brother, my brother-in-law, but he just found out he was leaving back to New York in two weeks. And so we're like, oh, we don't have a place to stay in two weeks. Uh, we didn't have any money in the bank because we had gone into debt to go to the program. And... There was something else. Yeah, we didn't have a place to stay. We didn't have any money. And so, oh, and we didn't have any jobs. My wife also quit her job. And so we had no jobs, no place to stay, no money. And we came to Korea. And we're just like, you know, Satan was just like, go back to the States. You'll do well there. You'll get a nice job. You can provide. Blah, 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 blah. And I heard the lies so clearly. And then I heard the voice, the still small voice of God. He was just like... Stay. Stay in Korea. It might look stupid, but stay in Korea. And so, yeah, literally me and my wife would go back and forth where I was depressed. And then she would be like, no, be, have faith. And then she would get depressed. And I'd be like, you know, let's have faith. <laughs> We're just going back and forth. <laughs> oh, man. And so we were here in Korea. And we, were, we had to move out. And we had no money and no place to go. And so we prayed. And we went and we received prayer from a brother. And he was just like, have faith. God is going to provide. Have faith. God is going to provide. 
So we're like, God, we want a place to stay. We want really good jobs. <laughs> I want a job as a computer programmer. I refuse to go back into teaching. I refuse. You know, because I'm an English, I don't speak Korean. English-speaking computer programmer. And I don't want to make slave wages. And so my wife applied for a few jobs. She was applying for jobs the whole summer. And she either heard nothing back in return or she heard no. The whole summer she was applying for jobs and she didn't get a thing. And so we were really stressed out to say the least. But at the same time we knew God said, stay in Korea, stay in Korea, stay in Korea. And I try to make every single excuse possible to go back to the States. Every single excuse possible. But God still said, stay in Korea. And so within one week, my wife got a job. She made more than double of what she was making last year. And they provided housing for her big enough for both of us. And then the following week, I applied for a random job. And I went in to interview. And so during the summer, it was only two months, so I learned a very specific, what we call tech stack, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, jQuery, PHP, Ajax, and CodeIgniter. I learned a very specific tech stack. So I went in to interview for a company, and the guy I interviewed with was, so when I was praying for my job, I prayed that I wouldn't have to work in a Korean, under a Korean manager, and I prayed that I would be making a lot more money than I did last year. And I prayed that I would love what I do. So I went into interview, and it was a white Canadian guy there. <laughs> I was like, it's a good sign. <laughs> and then he was like, we do this, 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 and this, and this. And it was exactly what I learned this summer. Exactly what I learned this summer. And then he was like, all right, I really like you after the interview. Now you have to take a tech challenge. So I was like, uh. <laughs> so he gave me this 10-question challenge. And he gave me 24 hours to do it. So I was like, oh, shoot. He's going to know that I don't know anything. <laughs> but I opened up the challenge. And since what he was doing was exactly what I learned this summer, he gave me 24 hours to do it. Finished in two hours. I sent it to him. And I was like, all right, I'm done. And he emailed me back 30 minutes later. He's like, whoa, you finished that really quickly and really well. You can have the job. It's yours. And I was like, I was like, I really hope it pays well. Because <laughs> he had told me before, don't expect to make much. So I went in that first day to work. And I was like, uh, the head finance guy came in, Korean person. And he's like, all right, we're going to do negotiations about your salary. And I was like, all right. <laughs> he's like, he took, takes down a piece of paper. He's like, right there, write down how much you want per month. And I was like. I was like thinking in my head, do I go really high? Do I go normal? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> and so I just remembered the voice of God. I said, go high. And so I put down a number that's approximately double of what I made last year because that's what I prayed for. And then he, he looks at the number and he looks at my resume. He's like, you have no experience. You have no prior jobs to this in this field. You only started learning three months ago. Two months ago. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then so he's like, all right, let me go back, talk to the boss. And then so he comes back like 30 minutes later, and he's like, all right, you can have it. 
Our God is crazy. Because one week before that, my wife and I were at rock bottom, and we had no idea what we were going to do. No idea. All we knew and all we were sure of was that God was calling us to stay in Korea, and he was calling us to stay faithful because he is a God who rewards. He is a God who gives back to you when you put your place in a place of faith. When you guys go out there on a limb because that's what God's calling you to do, he's going to reward you. Our God is not someone who is empty-handed. He's not someone who is lacking in anything, in any area. All right, my testimony is just one of many. You can talk to any of the staff, especially the full-time staff, the full-time staff, because they left really cozy jobs as well to go on to, you know, support raise and to do all, you know, things that just do, don't make sense logically. They just don't make sense at all. But when God calls you, he calls you, and he will provide for you. And the most dangerous position that you guys can place yourself in what I realized looking back, the most dangerous position I could have placed myself in was staying in teaching. Because that would have cut me off from all the blessings that God had provided for me. Remember, I told you, my, my dream was to go into business, was to become a tech entrepreneur. The company I work for now, I work for a company called The Celebrity. And so we, we are actually a startup. And yeah, the... The second issue just came out, so it sold really well. We're doing really well, actually, as a company. But my boss, my, my CEO, actually, not my manager, but my CEO, he was actually a Silicon Valley entrepreneur in the tech industry. On top of that, he was one of the founding partners of Kakao Talk. All his experience is in the tech world. But he left everything to go into print magazine mostly because they know that he can take them to the next place that print magazine needs to go because print is dying as a medium. And so everything is going digital. And so my, my CEO is someone I can learn from and grow from because he is a master in exactly what I want to do in the future. So God placed me there so perfectly. Every single thing lined up. Even prayer requests I didn't pray, God gave them to me in the form of my boss, in the form of my CEO, and you know, it was unbelievable. So when you follow God, all right, you have to go from a place of faith. If you're living securely, if you're living where everything is provided always, you're not going to grow in faith. Your currency of faith, you're not going to put anything in that bank account. In that bank account, you have to go from a place of faith. And when you're staying in the same place for too long, you really need to ask yourself, "What am I doing?" Because it's getting dangerous. Because I'm cutting myself off from the rewards of God. Man. Just as I think back uh, to my last five, six years since I've been at New Philly, every single significant point in my life, before it's happened, God has called me to take a step of faith. And I feel so strongly in my spirit that there's so many of you in here who are called to take a step of faith into something that you don't know, into something that's just dark, formless, and void. But I want to remind you that God's spirit hovers over the deep. God's spirit hovers over it. You know, when it says that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, that God's spirit hovers over the deep, 
It's so true because anytime you're in a place of uncertainty, anytime you're in a place where you have to put yourself out there, God's spirit is hovering. And God's spirit is hovering right next to you. And he's saying, go for it because my spirit is here. My spirit is here. My spirit is here.